are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Recently, in a Cincinnati business magazine, I read an article that talked about the reality of COVID on businesses in our area. In the article, Kroger CEO Rodney McMullen remarked about how his company was able to survive and has been able to survive COVID with such strength. He said that the company succeeded because store management adapted quickly to the pandemic. They adapted quickly to the pandemic. Pete Blackshaw, CEO of Cincinnati Startup Hub, Centrifuge stated, we are living in an age of unending disruption in which economic, social, and health-related shocks are going to become more common. The article would go on to argue that when or whether we can return to a pre-COVID economy is unclear. As the virus continues to circulate and the vaccine is still pending. While the quote-unquote new normal has become an overworked phrase, a business consulting firm named McKinsey & Company stated that we are in the midst of not a new normal but we are in the midst of the next normal. For businesses, the next normal is an environment where customers will have new expectations, operating challenges will continue to grow, and recovery will take time. That little phrase stood out to me, and I would like to speak to you from that idea This morning, the next normal, the next normal. In November of 1805, Lewis and Clark, the great American explorationist, traveled for over a year and a half. They traveled nearly 4,000 miles over rugged terrain. They started in St. Louis and made their way to the Pacific Ocean. In August, so a few months prior to the conclusion at the Pacific Ocean, in August of 1805, nearly three months before they would arrive at the historic destination and moment, after crossing what is modern Montana, they were held up for about a month near a waterfall in Great Falls, Montana, what we know as Great Falls, Montana. Lewis tried to use a a special boat that he had crafted, but the animal skins did not work well with the boat's iron frame, and it had to be scrapped and abandoned. And on August 17th, 1805, they finally reached the navigable limits of the Missouri River near the Rocky Mountains and then turned south 
up the Jefferson River. The voyage crossed the Continental Divide through what's called Lemmy's Pass, and there they purchased horses, some more horses, from the Native Americans. Then they traveled north to Lola Pass. This became the most difficult part of the journey as they crossed the the Bitterroot Range on the Lola Trail, surviving on modest supply of dried foods and low provisions. Finally, Lewis and Clark reached the country of Nez Perce on the Clearwater River in Idaho. But there they did something that I think stands out. And in it, I find spiritual truth. History says that they left their horses for dug-out canoes. They left their horses for dug-out canoes. From there... They floated down the Clearwater, Snake, and Columbia Rivers, reaching the Pacific Ocean by November of 1805. They left their horses for dug-out canoes. For this journey, riding horses was essential. It was necessary. It was normal. But what I want to simply point out today was there came a time when horses were not going to carry them where they needed to go. And they left their horses for dug out canoes, horses that they had invested in. Horses that had gotten them where they needed to go up to this point, but horses who were not going to get them where they were going. They had the wisdom and they had the courage to abandon their horses. And might I suggest they abandon their normal or canoes. Horses were powerful. Horses were smart, but they understood something. If they kept riding the horses, if they kept doing normal as the means of transportation, they would never reach the Pacific. And I realize today that in my humanity, I am capable of some amazing things. Not that I'm amazing, although I'm sure Kristen and my girls think I am. But we, as humans, are amazing. We are resilient. We are strong. We are smart. However, what I want to submit to you today is that there comes a place in your life And there should come a place in your life where you reach the end of the road for your self-sufficiency. There will come a place in your life when your good enough isn't enough. Where your good enough 
isn't enough. And what I am wanting us to see today is that there will come and there should come a point in your life where we trade our horses for canoes. That we come to a point in our life where we realize that the terrain that lies ahead will be better served if I get in a canoe than rather than trying to walk it on my own with a horse. See, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you consider your destiny to be. I, I, I know for me, I want to make heaven home. I want to make heaven my home. I, I want to experience eternal life. And that destination, my friend, is not paved with a road that can be traveled under a horse or under your own abilities, your own intellect, your own bank account, your own education. Can I tell you eternal life at some point, if you're going to find eternal life, you have to let go of the horses and you have to climb in to a canoe that's going to carry you where you need to go. Because the reality is, on this journey that you're on, something is carrying you. For many, it's just the sheer force of your own will. For others, it's your smarts, it's your background, it's your education, it's your bank account, it's what you, what has happened to you, it's your, your education as a child, it's your education as a young adult that's carrying you. But I'm telling us today, at some point, that's running out. At some point, the road is going to end where it makes sense to ride on your own abilities. And at some point, you have to let go of the the horses and you got to climb into the canoe and say God this trip the rest of this journey can only happen because of you oh hallelujah I suggest today that in all of our normals see it's normal for us to do things on our own it's normal to try to make things happen on our own but there is another normal, and I suggest it's the next normal. It's not a new normal in the sense that it's never been around. In fact, it's an old normal that has gotten lost by the gravity of sin. This normal was present in creation, but sin overshadowed the normal. And now a new normal happened where now we walk on our own. We do our own thing. We use our own might. We use our own abilities. But there is the next normal. And Jesus showed us this next normal in the story when he arrived at the temple on a beautiful day in Luke chapter 4. You see, Jesus had been ministering. And he, or he had been walking this life, I should say, and he understood that his ministry was shifting. And his life up until this point was pretty normal. And then those temptations happened. He was in Nazareth with a family. For 30 years, he lived a normal life. But then he understood that there's a next normal and so Jesus, we understand, was driven 
into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and he was tempted by Satan. And Satan tempted him about his own identity, tempted him and said, turn the stone into bread. Satan tempted him with an easy way out and said, why don't you just bow down and worship me and I'll make it easy on you. Satan tempted him about the truth of the word of God and said, why don't you throw yourself down? You see, this was Satan's normal. Satan's normal is always to be a tempter, a liar, and a thief. He operates the same way every time. But Jesus didn't take the bait. Although he was physically weak, he had fasted for 40 days. We understand that he overcame the physical temptation and the pressure through the help of the Spirit of God and the angels of God that ministered to him. So it is at this point that he walks into the temple. He walks into a synagogue on a normal day. And he says, a next normal is coming. Something is different. Something has changed. I, I, I was riding on some horses up until this point, but now I've gotten into the canoe and something is different. And so he came to Nazareth and, and the custom was that they, in the synagogue on the Sabbath, they were going to hand him something to read. And they looked through the scrolls and they found uh, the prophet Isaiah and they handed him just another scroll, another prophet. But Jesus said, oh no, I'm not just going to read anywhere. And the Bible says he found where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord See, this wasn't any random reading. Jesus didn't just pick any verse. He said, no, I'm going to find the verse uh, that changes normal into the next normal. I'm going to read something that is not just a random reading. I'm reading something that's prophetic. Uh, and it points to something that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus Christ, uh, what has he come to do to preach the gospel to the poor? He has sent me, he said, to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord he said the next normal doesn't just label people as normal as poor as broken but he said this time this normal is going to move to a next normal. And I'm showing up to the poor. I'm showing up to those who need help. I'm showing up to the brokenhearted, those who have been worn out and walked over. I'm showing up to the captive and those who are bound, those who have addictions and demon possession. I'm showing up to the blind and the wayward and those without direction. I'm showing up to the oppressed. And I'm showing up to those who have been shattered and broken beyond repair. And he said, because there's a next normal. There's something more that you can be. There's something more that you can be. I know society has labeled you. I know it's just normal to say that you're poor and you're brokenhearted. But he said, I'm not going to leave you that way. 
And you see, this clearly defines and this clearly describes the condition of humanity. I guarantee you today that we can find ourselves somewhere in that list. Some of you know what it's like to be poor. You literally have no money. Some of you know what it's like to be emotionally poor. Some of you know what it's like uh, to have a, a soul that is empty and poor. You know what it's like to be brokenhearted. You know what it's like to have your heart uh, ripped open by some relationship that went south. Uh, you know what it's like to be held captive by sin. You know what it's like to be held captive by addictions and things that control you. You wish you didn't have them, but they're there. You know what it's like to be blind and without direction. You know what it's like to wake up in the morning and not know what kind of purpose there is to life. Some of you know what it's like to be oppressed. That word literally means shattered, means broken beyond repair. Some of you know what it's like to be confused and not know what's going on and what Jesus was describing and what the prophet was prophesying about uh, was that humanity would come to a point uh, where they could no longer do anything for themselves. Uh, the horse uh, had run out of trail. There's nowhere else to go. There's no other hope. Uh, but Jesus said, I've got a next normal. I've got another way for you to get to the destination. Oh, Hallelujah. You see, we got a lot of anxiety in this world. In spite of all our technology, in spite of all our psychology and, and psychiatry and, and all the philosophy that we have, this generation is just as bound as any other generation. This generation has as much fear and anxiety as any other generation in the world that's ever existed. Anxiety exists today in such profound measures and really it's so identifiable. We have over 500 descriptions of anxiety and fear. 500 identifiable fears, phobias, fear of spiders, fear of water, fear of making decisions, fear of flying, fear of bathing, dear God, fear of speaking in public every day, fear of everything. There's even a fear of beards. Who knew? There's a fear of the workplace. I'm afraid to go to my job too. Not just labels of fear, anxiety, but labels that tell people who they are and where they belong. It breaks my heart every time I talk about it or think about it, the fear or the, the label of being at risk. We put a label on children and youth at an early age that they are at risk. It means that they're at risk to most likely not to transition into adulthood. Well, they are most likely not going to have any economic self-sufficiency I worked with a kid in Columbus, Ohio in the first and second grade that he had already been labeled in the first and second grade as at risk, at risk likely not to graduate high school. It's normal to label people with these things just because of their environment, just because of who their parents were or who their parents were or where their parents are or what kind of environment they're in. We've already come up with the, the, the description of what they're going to be. And not just labels, 
But disorders, there's so many disorders that we say that people have and they're true. They have disorders and anxiety disorders and mood disorders and psychotic disorders and personality disorders and eating disorders and developmental disorders and behavioral disorders and addictive disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder and and attention deficit disorder and bipolar disorder and depression and autism spectrum and you can name all this stuff. And it's true. And there is great help that gets to these people, and I'm thankful for it. But what my point is today is that this sense of normal, Jesus came on the scene to say, hey, that's not the only normal. That's not the only normal there is. And some of you maybe don't have a diagnosis. You haven't had a medical person tell you something, but you and your heart are branded. You feel like a failure. You feel like a deadbeat. You feel like a coward in an accident, and you feel confined and boxed in, and all this stuff is happening because we're all poor. We're all brokenhearted. We're all captives and blind and oppressed. And at some point, the horse can only go so far. And culture says, this is who you've been. This is what you are in the moment. And I can guarantee you this is what you're going to be. You can close the book. It's normal. It's just normal. And again, I think it's okay to get people involved when you face these disorders and you face these struggles. And I believe that the normalizing of these conditions has been good for humanity. But it's our attempt in humanity to ease the pain of what's going on in our world. But what I understand today is that Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, let me tell you what normal looks like in the last days. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgivable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. When I read that list, yes, I see a lot of bad things, so to speak, but what I see is a lot of hurting people. I see people who have been hurt, and so in their self-sufficiency, they say that I'm going to boast. In their self-sufficiency, they're going to handle things on their own. In their self-sufficiency, they're going to say, I don't need my parents anymore. I don't need anybody, so I'm not thankful for anybody. Jesus was not interested in just applying a label and walking away. He said, no, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me with a message to everyone who's in a deficit in their emotions, who's in a deficit in their bank account. He said, I've come to preach good news to those who's normal. 
is without hope, to those whose normal is without help, he said, I'm going to bring good news, the richness of my goodness, the richness of my mercy in your life. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. For those whose normal is a broken heart. You've been through so much stuff, you don't even know how to think any other way. The next person you're in relationship with, they're going to hurt you too. But Jesus said, no, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I've come to bring healing to the brokenhearted. And he said to proclaim liberty to the captives, to those who is nor- it's normal for them to find and to be in addiction. I'm amazed sometimes that people, and I, I don't have time to go into this story, but, but I know that when some people recover from certain addictions, doctors will tell you that that addiction will look for something else. You will find another addiction to replace the addiction that was there. Because our lives are broken. They're poor, but he said, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. To those whose normal is addiction and bondage, the next normal is freedom. He said, recovering of sight to the blind, to those whose normal is blindness, to those whose normal is looking, but you never find. He said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore your ability to find direction and see and set at liberty. Set at liberty. This literally means help them find forgiveness. Why did he say, I'm going to help them find forgiveness? He said, because they are oppressed. They are shattered. They are beyond repair in their mind. So to those whose normal it is to be shattered and oppressed and walked over and abused, the next normal is to walk in the strength of God's forgiveness. Not just your ability to forgive, but because he loved us, because he forgave us, that's how I can forgive you. Then he said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now this, we don't always quickly understand what he's saying. But it goes back to a Jewish law that said that every 50 years that the Jews were to release those who were enslaved because of debt. Those who had to sell themselves in order to pay back a debt. It was something called the year of Jubilee. And on the 50th year, there was a celebration and they were to be released. Now, what we understand about Jewish history, and most scholars believe that never happened in the Jewish history. And that's one of the reasons many believe that there were 70 years of captivity. It was for every year that the Jews refused to celebrate Jubilee. But now, Jesus is showing up on the scene. Because normal had been ingrained in them. We're not having a jubilee. There's not going to be a release. But Jesus said, no, there is the next normal. And it's to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, you and I, our sins have caused us to be in debt. The wages of sin is death. But what does it say? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And so to those of us, all of us, uh, who were enslaved in a sinful mindset, uh, a, a sinful way of thinking, all of that pride, all of that negativity, all of that prejudice uh, has to come under the weight uh, of a forgiving God. And he said, I've come uh, to proclaim uh, the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. So the question is for us, what is the next normal? Are we just going to accept normal? Are you just going to accept the pain? Are you just going to accept the confusion? Are you just going to accept the oppression? Are you just going to accept the addiction as this is just who I am? But I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching to somebody today. Had you carried, you've carried your life far enough on your own two feet. You've walked those horses long enough. But there is a next normal that's going to carry you beyond what you can imagine. But you've got to trust the canoe maker. You've got to trust a savior who can carry you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so Jesus stood there in that moment on a very normal day in the synagogue and said, I know this is normal for you. And you've come to accept this as normal. And it's just a normal day in the synagogue. And it's just a normal scripture in Isaiah. And I'm just a normal Galilean man. Jesus wanted them to know on that normal day, the anointing of God, the spirit of God changes normal. The spirit of God in our life changes normal. And so Luke tells us, Jesus closed the book. He handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them were in the synagogue. In the synagogue, were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, "Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your." Hearing that the normal pain, the normal heartbreak, the normal poorness, the normal oppression and addiction can have a next normal moment. And he said, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. I don't know what normal looks like for you. I can tell you we're all frustrated with the new normal. We all hate the mask. We all hate the social distancing. But for some of us, that was normal before COVID ever showed up. You hid yourself behind pain and suffering. You distance yourself from people because of normal. And Jesus is offering something different. He's saying there's a next normal for you. There's something better I want to give you today. I want to pray for you in this moment. I want to pray right now. I want you to stay seated. I want to pray for you. I feel somebody is reaching for the Lord in your heart. 
the words that I've shared today are tugging at you or they're causing just kind of a burning in your heart because you've never really given the lordship of your life over to Jesus Christ. And you've carried your life on your own abilities. You've carried your life on your own two feet. Jesus Christ is saying, there's a place that I have destined for you. There's a place that's ready for you. But you have to surrender to me. You have to surrender everything to me. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I feel your touch right now. I feel your touch in this place. God, it's so easy for us to try to make things happen in our life. So easy for us to try to manage things on our own and do things without ever bowing a knee to you because it's carried us a long way. It's brought us a long way. But Lord, today, today, you're crying out to somebody that there's a next normal for them. A normal that was intended for all of humanity. A normal doesn't make us want to hide and doesn't make us want to stay distant, Lord, but a a normal where the good news can be delivered from us. Where your spirit has free reign in our lives. Oh God, I'm praying today there would be liberty in the spirit. I pray for addictions that are represented in this room, Lord. Addictions that maybe are hidden. Addictions that maybe somebody knows somebody's diagnosed them with. But Lord, you're saying there's freedom from captivity. Oh God, I'm praying for that today. Oh God. I want you to pray right now in your own way. I know you're sitting in a pew, but I wonder if you'd talk to the Lord quietly, maybe if you feel like you need to. God, I... I can't make it without you. I can't make it without you. I can't make it without you. Oh, God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In this moment, we're going to sing. I'm going to share one more thing with you before we close, but I want us to sing in this moment. I want us to worship God. God's doing something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.